there are the tools and the tactics like social media and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. But I really think it comes down to this. How authentic are you about what you are doing in this moment in time? It's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals. But the effect it's having on business, especially small business, is unprecedented. We need a game plan, and fast. If we're going to survive this, we need resources and we need each other. We can't do it alone. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. I'll have the most current solutions and best practices available so we can ensure your business not only survives this crisis, but thrives once we start moving forward again. Co-hosting with me will be my colleague, Sid Varakura, principal of 10-Page Memo. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. You're listening to Hack My Business in partnership with Avant House Media. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to like and leave us a review of your thoughts on the show. Hi, and welcome to Hack My Business. This is Sid Varakara, the co-host, and I'm here with the creator of this podcast, Jesse Torres. Today, we're going to be talking about public relations and marketing in a post-COVID era. I think the last eight and a half months or so have really taken a toll on all of us and in fact has made us rethink how we engage our customers. It certainly has, I think, amplified certain tools that many of us may have used pre-COVID. And now we are experiencing a new order where we have to really learn and, 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 and dig in deep on those platforms, whether it's on social media are figuring out how to network virtually with uh, potential customers and existing customers. Jesse, how are you? And um, I'm excited to have this conversation around public relations and marketing with you because we've both learned so much over these last eight months. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's great to be chatting with you again. We've been tackling this issue on so many different fronts for our own business, for clients and, and customers. We've really been trying to figure out the right tactics and even advising small business owners directly about what they can do during this really strange time to elevate their brand, to connect with customers in in different ways. So I'm excited to be digging into this. I know there's a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, and hopefully we can give everybody some really great tactics that they can use right away and implement for their business to help share share their brand, connect with customers in a new and exciting way. I started this conversation framing this as a pre-COVID, post-COVID, but maybe it would be cool for us to talk about marketing that has changed because of COVID and what hasn't changed because of COVID, right? Right. Right. Maybe it's a good way to start there, actually. And I'd love to get your thoughts, you know, on what you think are some of those things that haven't changed. And so we just kind of start from a place of what we know as business owners, right? That haven't mm-hmm. changed. And then we talk about like the tactics of marketing. Sure. Why don't we start with social media? I mean, yeah. already the world was moving towards greater use of social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and really trying to get an understanding of how do you use these tools to engage and interact with your audience, your customers. 
And now the acceleration of that when everyone had to go to a virtual setting and think about using these tools in ways that they had never really thought about. I mean, it's one thing to create a merchant account where people can actually buy your products online, but marketing and Hmm. and branding and carrying your brand from a, a storefront to a virtual storefront is so different. And for a lot of folks who maybe don't have the expertise, they, they didn't even know what platform to use. So this immediate acceleration of that and the introduction at the same time of new tools like TikTok or you know more video centric platforms, I think has really just upended a lot of a lot of what people have thought about when it comes to marketing. I don't know if you if you've seen the same thing or, or feel the same way, but I really feel that turn towards social media has really become something significant as far as marketing and how people now brand themselves um, with their company. I, I think it's, it's, it's exactly right because like, you have to go where the customers are, right? right? And customers are online and they're they're experiencing the world right now virtually. But what hasn't changed are some real bedrocks of our business. So what things haven't changed is like focus on customer experiences more than ever mm-hmm. before. Focus on remaining consistent in, in how you're communicating and you need to know what your what your value add is to the customer. That's never changed, right? I mean, those are things that people pre-COVID had to figure out what their tactics would be, right? To align with those kind of outcomes. And I think now it's just like, okay, those bedrock principles have not changed. What's changed is how do we go and find and engage our customers? You're right. You know, the core of your business, the the value add you provide the products you you sell, what differentiates your brand from others, I would say that all still holds. Now the question becomes, well, how do you take that essence of your business and now translate it into a medium that everyone is using, but has usually used as a way for getting, say, news or connecting around personal issues, but now you're trying to convert it into, say, a shopping platform or a customer engagement platform. Even thinking about how people are using the technology like Zoom or the webinar tools and using that as a, a method for, for client engagement, for you know, customer relationships, even that has really become interesting and exciting in a new realm of promotion and advertising where I think for many people, they really thought of Zoom you know, six months ago as, okay, this is a thing I need to use on occasion when somebody is say out of state or international. But now for many folks, I think it's become this really primary arm of providing information, you know, conducting essentially sales for their company and providing initial introductions about what they're all about and how they're different from competitors. So even seeing these tools that were originally designed for maybe more stodgy, I would say, you know, very practical uses like a client work itself now are becoming marketing tools. So that's been fascinating to see too. I want to do a hypothetical with you, Jesse. What if we do get a vaccine, right? That becomes like the panacea, cures all, everybody is able to go back to where we were. Do you think we go back to where we were? Or do you think that some of these things that we're doing today will stick with us? And and how so? Well, I mean, why don't we talk first about what we always talk about? how we ourselves will respond in that situation. Now, I know that you and I have said that life has changed. The way we think about how we can conduct business, the efficiency some of these tools have provided has really opened our eyes as far as the reality or the ability to really condense your schedule 
and connect with clients in a meaningful way that doesn't involve travel, in-person meetings, which you know are painstakingly time <laughs> time eaters of your schedule. So I think I think what you're going to see is this hybrid now, where you know certain pieces you will want to keep. You know there there is always going to be to have some kind of initial connection with your client, right? You're, you're going to want to have that personal touch. And I still think there's value in doing that and doing that in person and getting to even, you know, the, the look and feel of their office, you know, what they're mm-hmm. all about, that kind of in-person engagement is really important up front. But what I've discovered is that for the most part, a lot of your work can be done remotely or virtually. If you, and it's actually really easy now to have just a quick meeting and to have a face-to-face conversation that is just as meaningful and rich and generates outcomes as any in-person meeting would ever have. And, you know, as much as I love Southwest and, you know, I love Southwest air (laughs) (laughs) and the A-list preferred privileges that have been bestowed upon me. I don't miss it, man. I don't miss the travel. I don't Mm. miss getting up at 430 to catch the early morning Mm. flight to Sacramento and not eating during the day because eating would mean that I get super tired and I can't be effective in a meeting. So I'm not eating. I don't really miss that. And I really appreciate the fact that now, as the tools have become more advanced in the past few weeks and a few months, I can get the same meaningful outcome now with the client than I would have by having that in-person meeting for the most part. So that's my perspective. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? I actually do. I, I think when we talked about time management, we did talk about the fact that like, if we were only meet, if like this was a, a different world or pre this world, we might have two or three meetings in a day, right? Because you're scheduling a coffee, you're scheduling a lunch, you're scheduling a meeting. And now I can have eight meetings right right, in a day because it's going back and forth, back and forth. And so there's a lot more efficiency. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that because we've become so much more accustomed to this way of of relationship building, that we'll still need those in-person ones, but they can be so less frequent. Now we might meet, you know, on the front end to see their office, to see an office and to get to know somebody in person. But then so much of everything else could just be done virtually. Right. I right. mean, so so I, I think that's what I'm hearing you say. And I think that's going to be the same case with customers. Right. Of how we're engaging, whether you're a retail shop or consultants like us. You know, or what I think about is. Yeah, I wonder how similar this was with the invention of the telephone. You know, we're you know we're in the past that when your interactions had to happen through maybe a, a an introduction by mail, uh, by courier that took forever for that to be established that initial connection. Maybe you took the railroad right <laughs> to actually meet with somebody in person. You spend maybe a week at their facility because it takes you so long to go that distance. Or maybe you're having a you know a national in-person meeting, but all your correspondence is having the same way. So the idea of now I can talk to somebody, I can pick up a device and call them and have a conversation and have the same outcome as if I had just met with them. Wow. Now, what I think has not happened yet, and what I'm waiting to see is all the protocols. Like we are still figuring out, like exactly how do you structure your your Zoom your conversation in order to be effective where we had already mastered that with the phone. Like we knew exactly, I mean, Mm. you think about all the protocols we've set around. How do you pick up the phone? How do you respond? You know, what is, what needs to be captured in this conference call? Now we're setting this all up for video technology and it really hasn't been defined. We haven't really figured out that, you know, where a phone, you can do mass outreach through the phone. You can do mass calls, 
we really quite haven't figured out how to use these new technologies to do that through video yet. It hasn't come together. And so that I'm really excited to see what happens next with that. What is that tool going to look like? How's that engagement going to work? Will it be the same where, you know, for a while it was interesting and exciting to get interacted with that way, like through the phone. And then we all got super tired of it. <laughs> we know I never pick up my phone, but we go through that same kind of phased approach now with this video technology. I wonder if that's going to happen next. I'm so th- kind of like enthralled with the idea of thinking about it like that. And and I, I wonder, there's got to be some paper or academic <laughs> right. piece around kind of like what you just described. And like even the whole point of our conversation today around public relations and marketing in kind of this post-COVID world to look back at how it changed, the telephone changed and what people were even trying to figure out the way we literally are trying to do that with this. Because I bet we would find that there's a lot of similarities, frankly, right? In terms of people trying to get used to and accustomed to the new technology. Right. You know, I have a question for you because I don't know if you've noticed the, the same thing, but there's been some really interesting campaigns happening over the course of the past few months. And you've seen this real evolution of marketers, advertisers trying to figure out the best way to connect with the audience during this COVID-19 time. And I'm really curious about well, who you thought was doing the best and what campaigns just made you cringe, you know, where they were just totally missed the mark. And, and I'm thinking of things like COVID-19, diversity, equity, and inclusion, where folks have really kind of stood out and others have just like not come together on it. And so I'm just curious if anything has stood out for you. Well, why don't we start with you? Because I'm curious to like hear you talk about the diversity, equity, inclusion, and how you think it's been an effective marketing campaign. Yeah, well, you know, I, I got to say first on the, on the COVID-19, you know, one thing, and this is more of a general, I don't think I'll call out any specific company, but you saw this, this ream of email and commercial messages saying, we're here for you. Like even, even us, like toilet paper company, we're here for you during this dark time, you know, we're here to be responsive to your needs or the, the flood of emails that you would get saying, just so you know, here's how we're responding to COVID-19. Well, you really weren't worried about how they were responding to COVID-19, <laughs> but they felt compelled to tell you. And then now it's the same thing, you know, where you gain this flood of companies. And I think some of them are doing it, you know, meaningfully, but essentially saying, you know, here's how we how we consider Black Lives Matter. Here's how we appreciate you, little Latino, during you know Hispanic Heritage Month, where a lot of it is almost them just putting out a statement versus actually introducing, say, a new initiative or even even if it's just a new product, that would be great. But for the most part, people just choosing to to make sure that people are aware that they're cognizant of whatever issues happening at the moment but not doing any meaningful work. I totally hear you, Jesse. I feel like there's something about authenticity, right? That right. Like, has to be clear and transparent because when a company does that and they're actually going deep into what, it, you know, what they're doing or practices or procedures or how they're changing, that is going to have a deeper effect. And I feel like in today's world, you were talking about campaigns and politics, right? That authenticity matters more now than it ever has before because there's Mm. so many ways to find out fact checking or biography checking or whatever it may be. So you better be authentic when you come out and say something like, we're here for you, whether you're a toilet paper company, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Or if you're, I don't know, a toy manufacturer, right? Depending on what it is that you're doing. I will tell you a company that I have been so incredibly impressed with 
it's not related to COVID, but they are kind of tapping into the moment of the day around Black Lives Matter. And that's Ben and Jerry's. Interesting. Tell me more. Ben and Jerry's and, and go to Ben and Jerry's website. They have laid out policy papers <laughs> around racism, structural racism, public policies that could actually address systemic and institutional racism. It is some of the best writing I've seen on the topic and and doing it in such a clear way of sharing like this is the history. This is how we got to where we are. These are the things we need to do moving forward. And then as a company, here are the things that we are doing. I mean, it is talk about going deep. It's been so impressive to see the way they have been addressing it. And then honestly, to see a lot of the trollers on what they what they lay out and they still double down. They're not shying away from it. And to me, that's part of the authenticity. That's pretty cool. I wanted to share what I think is a great a viral campaign, which I think was unintended. I'd be very surprised to, to learn it was somehow constructed. Costco. Costco and Costco employees kicking people out who weren't wearing masks and holding their ground against people who are trying to come in and affect others with COVID-19. Nothing made me more interested in shopping at Costco or more safe in thinking about shopping at Costco than videos of their employees kicking people out who are not being respectful to their rules and the regulations around public health. Bingo. I think we've, you and I are really kind of hitting the nail on the head on like what are real marketing strategies. Like there are the tools and the tactics like social media and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. But I really think it comes down to this. How authentic are you about what you are doing in this moment in time? Whether it's Costco, talk about how effective their marketing is. You and I are talking about Costco and Ben and Jerry's. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> There's nothing more like result oriented than that, that people in living rooms are actually talking about your company. And it's not because of, you know, just like a, a, a flash in the dark social media post, but because like these are companies that are trying to do something really deep and authentic that builds trust. I think you're right. In, in an unauthentic world, people that are being genuine and authentic in what they're trying to do, how they're trying to help people, it goes a long way. Especially when I think people are so desperate for just something that feels real and tangible. The more you can lean into that, the more effective you're going to be. And you know, but to your point, as you, you said earlier, it's all really core. I mean, these are all core principles that really everyone has has done. But I think now. What's become harder is to do it in a way that leverages new new media and where people really struggled. And I'm not sure people who listen to us are of various different political spectrums, but I think of the DNC, you know, the Democratic National Convention, and how much I actually appreciate the fact that it wasn't it wasn't seamless. Uh, it didn't seem, you know, I'm sure pieces were rehearsed. But even that felt more real, you know, the, the, some of the clumsiness around the, the technology, but they're using the real people, real perspectives that really stood out for me. Even I, I remember watching and thinking, oh, there's pieces I can, I can take away from his, this, hmm. this approach is interesting. You know, have they done it? Even them showing empty rooms and staff, you know, managing the stakeholders, it just really resonated with me. 
that type of authenticity, showing the behind the scenes, the real, the reality of using these things, it goes an incredibly long way to resonate with the audience and making you feel like you're not alone, that, oh, they're going through the same issues that I'm going through as far as figuring out how to use this technology. And uh, they're connecting with me in a way that I understand. It's it's relatability, right? right. So like everything you just said, it's resonating. I, 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 they get it where I'm coming from. And I think that's the other piece of this, right? So it's it's authenticity and it's relatability. And then you can get to the tools to convey your messages. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious, you know, as people now, as we think about what comes next and the eventual coming back to some kind of normal, are there other tactics that you're recommending to your clients that you serve as far as, you know, new approaches to sales, sales revenue? So I think for many folks, they're really, you know, that's a, that's a pain point, you know, think about how do they increase their sales? And I'm just wondering if you have any specific guidance that you like to share best practices with your clients right now around that specific item, the idea of sales revenue. Yeah, I mean, I think the the first and foremost thing I'm really uh, advising people is that they need to just be aware of like what are their top priorities, mm. one or two, maybe three at most priorities, and not try to be in every conversation. Some people think that the way to be effective in a in a marketing campaign, I think, is to just be everywhere and have just kind of like constantly be pushing out their brand. And that's fantastic if you have Coca-Cola marketing dollars, right? Right, <laughs> right. Go for it. But for the rest of us who are on a shoestring budget, if you will, that's not effective because it just, it lands as white noise, right? Right, right. Um, so, so if you're really just focusing on your top two or three priorities, and then you really focus on what your customer base is, then now you're actually getting back to time management. You're managing your time effectively. You're actually talking to people that you want to talk to and you're being really focused about what you're saying to them because they're still also getting overload of information and input from so many sources that as long as you stay consistent, as long as you stay focused, you'll have a longer relationship with that customer or right. that consumer. The other thing is, again, we were talking about social media and in COVID, it's been amplified and accelerated to use social media platforms. And I think a lot of folks are under this assumption that they need to be on Twitter, that they need to be on Facebook, that they need to be on LinkedIn, that they need to be doing on Instagram, right? Whatever it may be. And I think it's like, stop, step back, figure out again, those specific audiences you want to be talking to, where are they, right? I mean, if it's an older audience, you may want to be on Facebook, right? If it's right. A, a newsy oriented um, audience, you may want to be on Twitter. Pick your kind of like figure that out based on the demographics of who's using which type of social media platform and use one and just be really effective at that one. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. don't have to be everywhere. Just do that. And like that's really to me about stepping back and ensuring that you're talking about what your goals and outcomes are and not just some misperceived notion that I have to be in every conversation all the time. 
I totally agree. You know, I, I have to give a shout out to our friend Mark Villalobos, who, as you know, he, he's been doing his own round of, of marketing presentations. And, you know, one thing that always resonates with me whenever he does his, his speeches, how he really talks about kind of, like the, you know, with the famous Wayne Gretzky quote about, you know, not being where the puck is right now, but thinking about where the puck is going to be. Yes. Right. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that we have really been advocating in our presentations with him is the idea of looking at trends, uh, trend analysis. Mm-hmm. And that data can actually be really easy to find now, you know, on Google Trends because everybody's online shopping, looking for things, browsing constantly. And they're all using, for the most part, you know, Google, they would say at this point, is really safely as far as a lead on search. But you can really identify, okay, what are people thinking about? How are they considering life? Just by looking at Google Trends. And for those who are really trying to think about who are the winners going to be, who, what industries are going to win, where are people at, right, in both thought and actual practice and action, you know, whether by buying or looking into things, Google Trends and just simply looking at, say, you know, the top trending categories goes a long way into helping you think about how do I need to position myself in order to tap into the, into the audience? You know, how do I, how do I leverage that? How do I need to reshift my priorities, as you say, in order to really kind of maximize this opportunity? And so, you know, as people want to think about, okay, well, how can I actually pivot? You know, what does that mean? A lot of it to your point is thinking about where is my audience? What do they currently care about? It's not toilet paper anymore, you know, where everybody was freaking out about it three months ago. Mm-hmm. They're now thinking about other things. They're trying to move on with their life. They're looking into new services, new programs. You gotta be where they are. And often the best way to do that is simply by looking at data trends online. That's spot on. The the trend setting really kinda of, like you might as well use the analytics that are available at your fingertips. Right. I mean, like right. that's fantastic. And you shouldn't be doing anything unless you have an information that helps you make better decisions. And I think that those kinds of analytics can even just help you figure out where your customer base is. And as I was saying, talk to them where they're at. Right. And, and that's how I think you're both deepening loyalties with customers and finding new ones. Just because you may be doing really well with maybe a demographic of 35 to 50 year olds, right? Men, for instance, doesn't mean you need to go now figure out how to connect with 18 to 25 year olds. Maybe you should just double down on the 35 to 50 year olds and like expand that base, right? And I think that just like tools like Google Analytics can help you figure that out for sure. Yeah. Can I ask you how you immediately started brainstorming about Governor Newsom's recent announcement about going electric car? in just five years? So, okay, well, I have, a, I have a couple thoughts about that. Number one is, if I'm not mistaken, he actually made that announcement in Butte County when he was talking about fires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and when he did, my initial thought was like, oh, the poor man has just got sleep deprivation. Like, <laughs> he's here to talk about, you know, wildfires and he's talking about clean cars. And I understand where he's coming from, but he's so polished that... It just, it just, you're like, what's going like, on? What's yeah. going on? This is like a moment. And, and that to me was like, oh, he's just sleep deprived. And I felt really <laughs> bad for him. I, I think it's already there. I mean, there's a trend towards it between Tesla, Toyota, and then BMW, for instance, all being having like really pushing the market of the electric vehicle is testament to the fact that they all see the writing on the wall. They're all doing focus groups and and market testing and seeing where the future is going. And I love the fact that he's saying do it in five years because 
Kennedy didn't say, let's get to the moon in 40, right? He said, let's get to the moon now. And right. you get there because of proclamations like that from leaders. And frankly, I think I saw that the Earth's temperature has risen two degrees Celsius, which if I remember like five years ago was like the tipping point. Do not let us get to two degrees Celsius warmer than we already are. And I just heard, I think that we're there. So yeah. we have to. <laughs> yeah. You know, and actually, I, I, I think right, that's it's 15 years. And that's a 15 year goal. But, you know, I, I bring it up because, like you said, the writing is on the wall. And I think obviously that you and I have perspective as far as we already knew the writing was, you know, that was being written up already. I think for a lot of people, they don't really see that. And so paying attention to these kind of announcements, knowing that you have 15 years, you have 15 years to get ready for this radical change to industry. Even if it doesn't come together in quite the way the governor has announced, it's going to, something's going to start happening. It's going to drive towards that goal. Things are, the machine is going to start moving in that direction. So that's what you need to be alert about. You know, I spend my weekends coming through my newspapers. I get, you know, the Thursday to Sunday subscription for the LA times and my local paper too. And typically on a Sunday, I'll just go through and I'm just reading articles and I'm looking for things, looking for trends, looking for announcements, thinking about how is this likely to play out. And so even just paying attention to the news and the announcements like that, knowing that it is maybe a long-term objective, but there's going to be machinery that then starts to become aligned and it, people are going to start driving towards this goal. You know, it, it may not turn out exactly the way it was intended, but things are going to start happening and you need to be aware of that. It's, so to your point again is how do you get to where people are at or how do you get to where people are heading? It's probably the biggest question. And what steps can you take to get there? Well, just being informed, staying alert to the opportunities is a one key way to do that. You know, I'll give one more global example because I think you're totally right. Because like this is like the, the machine starts to move and then things happen. And, and how do you stay kind of like on top of that trend? Is your point. And, and I have another global example of that that's, you know, probably a little bit far removed from, from the two of us, but still gets the point, which is, I, as you know, I'm doing some work in the cybersecurity and space field. And the Department of Commerce has been trying to, over the last couple of years, the federal government has wanted the Department of Commerce to become the owner of STM which is the satellite traffic management, right, for space. It's currently in DOD, and there's billions of dollars that are spent on satellite traffic management based on the thousands of pieces of equipment that are in our low Earth orbit, right? The feds have wanted to move it, that office, into the Department of Commerce, and Congress actually balked at that and said, no, it's a defense question, not a commerce question. So Congress, two cycles ago, gave the same budgets to DOD and to Commerce. It was like $1.8 billion to Commerce and like $80 billion to DOD. Mm-hmm. I don't know the number, but it was, it, was, it was massive like that. And then gave a funding to this oversight federal government agency that does reports and said, you figure it out, right? Tell us mm-hmm. what it is. Well, they came back to Congress and said, yeah, no, it belongs in the Department of Commerce. And so... You're going to now see this shift of dollars go to commerce for satellite traffic management. Wow. Which real exactly it shows that like it's it's space the next you know pioneering era of space is on the commercial side. So anybody that's in kind of technology, digital technology, 
satellite development. These are all going to be commercial applications, even though like we all see Elon Musk doing what he's doing. But like that's just like that's like on a whole other level. But now we're talking about all the tiny, the smaller stuff is going to be on the commerce side and not the Department of Defense side. So trend setting for sure, right? Like how do you start thinking about it? Because the government is now thinking about space from a commerce Department of Commerce perspective, not a Department of Defense perspective. Well, it resonates with me because a lot of the work that I've been doing is figuring out where is the money going? Where's the money coming from? Where is it going? I mean, like we always say, who are the winners? And how do we now pivot and understand that? You know, the I would say for, for most people, the frustrating part is that that information is probably carried in a, a small article on the front page of my newspaper or it's buried underneath right. you know, the latest sports win. So you never really understand the true gravity of that. But to your point, the shifting of monies and that kind of programmatic work from Department of Defense to Department of Commerce is an earth-shaking event that many people really don't understand. But those of us in the know understand exactly what's going to happen next and know how to position ourselves accordingly. But that's the key thing is like during this time, it's actually a perfect time to better, better understand the world and to spend time you know, figuring out who are these key players and how do you now plug into these opportunities, even if there are going to be coming down five, 10 years down the line, how do you start situating yourself so that you can fully leverage it? And a lot of it's just, like we said, be aware, you know, <laughs> download the information, get good partners, be strategic, be creative, and go where your audience is, where your customers are, or where they're planning to be in the next five years. Jesse, I think this has been a terrific conversation. I've learned a lot just even listening to your thoughts around this. I think that as we close, I hear four real big things to be thinking about when it comes to your company as a PR, public relations, and marketing. And to me, that's number one, your authenticity and who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and being deep about it. Number two is just like your relatability and how you actually kind of like communicate with your audience about why it is that you're doing what you're doing and that you understand where they're coming from. I think three is around just following the trends, staying on top of analytics, understanding what might be coming down the pike so that you can adjust your own marketing strategies where your audience and customers are going to be. And fourth is around following the money to this point we're having about really starting to figure out and understand even though it's not the headline story but the story of where money flows particularly from government because that will set in motion machines of commerce and industry and that is where we should be thinking about what our opportunities are. If you are a California business owner seeking out resources and support, please visit our website, COVID19BizTools.com, which provides a comprehensive listing of grants, programs, and services for COVID-19 impacted businesses. You can also visit COVID19BizTools.com to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. Just reach out to us on the contact page on the website. Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.